not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. And I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the Spirit of God who ministers and heals and brings deliverance to our lives. So I step back so the Spirit of God can minister through me your word. And I thank you that everything that is said and done will not only bring you glory, but Father, it will bring healing. It will bring clarity. It will bring, Father, conviction. And it will bring healthiness to every marital relationship in this church and those who are watching me. And so I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word as a result of the teaching today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in our third lesson in our series entitled Unfiltered. Everybody say Unfiltered. And so if you're visiting us physically today in the house or if you're viewing us digitally for the first time, for the whole month of September, we've decided to separate our congregation. And so this service right here, the 9 o'clock service, has been designed to minister to our married individuals. And so if you're single in the house or if you're single and you're watching me, uh, you can either uh, tune off if you're watching and wait until the next service or you can just continue to watch and learn and grow uh, just in case you want to get married one day. So if you're taking notes today and you should, you should have your notes in the house and those of you who are watching, there should be some instructions on how to access the notes online. But today's message title is Learn to Please. Learn to please. I heard a story about a lady whose husband was seriously ill. And after the doctor completed this man's examination, he called the wife into his office alone to discuss the state of her husband. And so the doctor told her that her husband was suffering from a rare disease and it was combined with stress. And if she did not do the following things that the doctor was going to tell her, then her husband was going to die. He said to her, each morning I need you to fix him a healthy breakfast. Be pleasant and make sure he's in a good mood all day. Fix dinner for him in an extra nice way. Fix his favorite meal. Don't ever discuss problems with him. It will only stress him out more. Try to relax your husband every evening by wearing lingerie. And giving him plenty of back rubs. Encourage him to watch plenty of sports. And then most of all, make love with your husband several, that's three words, several times a week. And satisfy his every desire. And so on the way home in the car, 
her husband asked her, honey, what did the doctor say to you? And she said, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> Even as I was reading the joke, some of you in this room and, in, and watching me were saying in your mind, I would never do all of that stuff. And therein lies the problem. Unfortunately, most people got married because they wanted something, they needed something, or they desired something from the person that they were marrying. The problem with that attitude is it's the attitude of a taker. Now just look at your spouse and say, he's not talking to me. Now look at him again and say, but he's talking to you though. So I want to look at the principle today, the principle of pleasing. And I believe that if you will listen to God's word today and you let it get in your heart, it'll change not only your life, but I believe it'll change your relationship. Say amen to that. So if you're taking notes, point number one is this. Pleasing should be a priority. Pleasing should be a priority. Let's read the New Living Translation uh, of Second of First Corinthians chapter seven, verse thirty-two. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, "I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please Him." But a married man, everybody say a married man. A married man, listen what he says now about a married man. A married man, uh, an unmarried man spends his time doing the work of the Lord and thinking how he may please. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities, read this with me, and how to please his wife. Wow. Verse 34. His interests are divided in the same way, in the same way, in the same way. A woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But, come on, everybody say but. Just look at your spouse and say, you need to get your butt out of the way. Get your butt out of the way. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to do what, church? Please her who? Not her boss, not her supervisor, but her husband. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to define the word please as we jump into this because I just read through Scripture it is the responsibility of a husband and a wife to please their spouse. Can we say amen to that? So the word please, when you look it up in the Bible, it means to accommodate. It means the idea of exciting emotion. It means to be agreeable. It means to strive to please. And here's a good one. It means to cater to the desire and interest of that person. So for the sake of understanding, let's read these verses again with this definition of the word pleasing inserted. 1 Corinthians 7, 33. 
But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please, accommodate, excite his wife's emotions, be agreeable with her, and strive to please his wife. Verse 34, in the same way, a woman who is, is no longer married or, uh, or never has been married can be devoted to the Lord. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please, accommodate, excite her husband's emotions, be agreeable with him, and strive to please her husband. Houston, we have a problem. See, remember the first lesson that I taught us in this series for the married people, how we talked about how many of us may have gotten married out of what I call non-biblical expectations. In other words, we got married and our reasons for marriage had nothing to do with God's purpose for marriage. But we can see here in Scripture that it is the responsibility of both people to please their spouse. Can we be in agreement on that? It is the responsibility of both people to please their spouse. So, so here's the question, church, that I want you to think about as I teach the lesson. What would your marriage look like if your number one goal when you woke up in the morning was to please, accommodate, and cater to the desire of your spouse? What would your relationship look like? It would look like quiet, like it is in the room right now. (laughs) In reality, as a spouse, listen now, pleasing your spouse should be your priority. See, we, I think as, as, as people, we see being pleased as the priority and not pleasing as the priority. And here's the problem. When we see being pleased as the priority, if that's not happening, frustration, irritation is going to set in eventually at times because something we want, we're not getting. And so then it feels like we're not a priority. Why? Because... We're not getting what we want from the person. Therefore, it demotivates us from seeking to please our spouse. So here's the question. How do we approach this principle of pleasing? When it's not something, listen, that we're used to doing, it's not a priority, it hasn't been a priority, and to be honest, in some cases, it's not something we really want to do. That leads us to point number two. God is pleased. Now, this is it now. Now, see, uh, on the single lesson, I gave them the hard one up front. I saved the hard one for last for y'all because I needed y'all to come back. So here's point number two. God is pleased with you when you please your spouse. I'm going to say it again. In fact, won't you say it with me? Because I can see some of you all, I'm already, you drowning already. You drowning. You know how to swim and tread water, but you drowning right now. Let's say it together. Say, God is pleased with me when I please my spouse. So now let's look at a situation. I'm going to show you this principle of pleasing in Scripture. And then I'm going to explain to you 
what and how it's like to please your spouse. Genesis chapter 21 verse 5. It says, And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given him children of suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. Remember now, that's Ishmael's mother. She saw the son, Ishmael, of Hagar, the Egyptian, which had been born unto Abraham, mocking. And wherefore she said to Abraham, listen to what his wife said. Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son, even with Isaac. Let's stop. Let me tell you what she's saying. Put him out, Abraham. That's what she's saying. I mean, in everyday language, put him out. Well, let's see what happens. And this thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. It grieved him. And see, some of y'all who are married, here come, this is here, I'm coming, here, here it is. I'm, I'm warning you right here. Okay. See, some of y'all who are married have inappropriate relationships with your ex. You don't need to go over their house. Meet her, not her, her, and meet him at Walmart parking lot. Why are you over her house? Well, pastor, well, no. And you grieve with your wife. Because she having problems with how you are transferring children. So let's see what happened. It grieved Abraham. So let's see how God handled this. And God said to Abraham, who said it to Abraham? God said to Abraham, hey, don't let it grieve you because of the lad and because of the bondwoman. He says, listen, in all, how much? All that Sarah has said to you, I need you to do what? Hearken to her voice. Thank you for that one silent clap. Hearken to her voice. For in Listen, for in Isaac shall your seed be called. So now we can see that God told Abraham to listen to, or let's use it, or say it this way. God told Abraham to please his wife by doing what she asked him to do. But see, there's another scenario that we're going to go over real quick, another scenario where God was not happy about a particular husband listening to his wife. Let's go to now Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We got a scenario where God was like, listen to that girl. And now I'm about to show you a situation where God was like, you shouldn't have listened to that girl. 
It says Genesis 3.14, And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you, this is after they had seen, after they had eaten the fruit. And so he said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you're cursed above all the cattle and above all the, the beasts of the, every field. Upon your belly shall you go, and the dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it, her seed, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Verse 16. And the woman said, I will, uh, and unto the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And in sorrow shall you bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over you. Verse 17. And unto Adam, he said, now see, God is just going down listing uh, consequences of their actions. That's all that's happening right here. And so it says in verse 17, and unto Adam, he says, because you have what? Hearken, what's another word for hearken? Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten the tree that I commanded you not to eat of, cursed is the ground for your sake and and in sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and also thistles shall it bring forth to you and you shall eat the herb of every field. Wow, two scenarios. Got a situation where God told Abraham, please your wife, do what she say. And then over here, God is saying, you shouldn't have listened to your wife. <laughs> See, some of y'all confused right now, like, which one do I do, Pastor? Which one I do? <laughs> Here's the question. So when should you aim to please and listen to your spouse, especially when it's something you don't want to do, or you feel ain't right to do. What's the difference between when Adam listened to his wife and pleased his wife, and then when Eve, uh, uh, when Adam, uh, Abraham, when Adam listened to his wife, and then when Abraham listened to his wife, what's the difference between the two? Well, here's the answer. When what they are asking, I'm talking about now how to know when to please your spouse. When what they are asking you to do agrees with the word you should do everything that's four words everything they want you to do i'm gonna say that again when do you obey your when you please your spouse let me use that word when do you please your spouse when what they are asking you to do agrees with god's word so now let's let's go back to the story where god told abraham to listen to uh his wife, uh, Sarah, because it's in that story we see the principle of why God told him to listen and please Sarah. In Genesis 21.10, it says, Wherefore she said to Abraham, Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the, bond, the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir, listen, church, with my son, even Isaac. Verse 11, it, it grieved Abraham. Verse 12, God told him to do it. And then watch what it says here. He says, let it not be grievous in your sight of the lad and because of the bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto you, hearken to her voice. Watch this. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So here's the question. Why would God agree with Sarah? Here is why. Because what Sarah or Sarah was requesting from Abraham, watch this, was something God had said to Abraham and Sarah before Isaac was even born. If you go back and read Genesis chapter 17, now remember we read Genesis 20. So 
does, does, was chapter 20, does chapter 17 come before 20? Okay, so the reason God agreed with her is because God had told them in, in chapter 17 why he wanted Isaac to be the heir. So I'm not going to keep reading, but if you just go to Genesis chapter 15, if you read verse 20, well, let's go to verse 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear you a son indeed and shall call his name Isaac. And I will listen and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And then he talks about Ishmael. He says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful. But verse 21, God makes it clear. He says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac. And that's why God was able to agree with Sarah. Why? Because Sarah was only functioning from the word that God had given. She said, no, no, no. We can't mix this inheritance. We can't mix this covenant. We can't mix this agreement that God has made with the, with the son of the flesh, with the son of the, of the promise. And so when she agreed with what God had said, God stepped in. And whoever stays on the side of the word, God would always side with them. Watch this now. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and please who? God. So you would abound more and more. He was writing to the Thessalonians and he was saying to them, hey, listen, we've taught you enough about two things. Number one, how to walk with God and how to please God. But then he says in verse two, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. So that verse is telling them how they ought to walk and how they ought to please God. So now I'm about to say something that's very challenging. Pleasing your spouse causes God to be pleased. You know, you may say, well, Pastor, how can you say that? Here's why I can say that. Because it pleases God when you please your spouse because he's the one who told you to please your spouse. I'm going, let me rewind that one. Because some of y'all look confused. Some of you are watching me. You, 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 you have wrinkles on your forehead. You're trying to figure this out. Don't try to figure it out. Just listen to what I'm saying. The reason why pleasing your spouse causes God to be pleased is because God is the one who told you to please your spouse. We read that up front. Do y'all remember the verse? So let me repeat myself again from what I said earlier. You don't have, watch this now, a pleasing problem with your spouse. You really have a pleasing God problem. I'm going to say that again. You don't really have a pleasing your spouse problem. Why? Because it's not your spouse that asks you to please them. It was God in his word that instructed us to please the spouse. So you don't have a spouse-pleasing problem. You really have a God-pleasing problem. 
Say amen. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one says this. Paul was talking to Timothy. He says, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, that the same commit thou to faithful men. In other words, he's saying, whatever I taught you, Timothy, I want you to commit that teaching to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse three says this. Watch this now. He says, Timothy, I need you to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why? Because no man, no soldier, nor believer of Jesus Christ that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Now, I'm going to read this in the Living Bible and then I'm going to break it down. He says, oh, Timothy, my son, be strong with the strength Christ Jesus gives you. For you must teach others those things you and many others have heard me speak about. He says, Timothy, teach these great truths to trustworthy men who will in turn pass them on to others. Take your share, listen, uh, church, take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Just as I do, verse 4, here's the key. He says, and as a Christ soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in worldly affairs because if you find yourself tied up in worldly affairs timothy listen what he says you will not be able to satisfy or i'm gonna use the word please the one who has enlisted you in the army so listen to this church it becomes difficult to please god when we have adapted adopted or begin to function in marriage the way the world does See, remember, I said you don't have a spouse-pleasing problem. You have a God-pleasing problem because it was God who instructed you to please. And so if it's God who instructed me to please, then guess what? My goal should be to please him. And we just read that if I or you or we's begin to function as worldly people function in a marital relationship, in other words, the world's way, he says we won't be able to please God. Earth, wind, and fire, they had a song. That's the way, wow, of the world. Y'all, have, y'all remember that song? How many remember that song? Raise your hand. How many don't know the song? Raise your hand. All right, all right. We, we got three people in the room that don't understand. listen here's the problem we as Christians have allowed ourselves to adapt the thinking that the world has when it comes to marriage we've contaminated our thinking we've allowed the spirit of the world to get into our hearts And once it's inside of your heart, you're going to function from within your heart. And so God's way is never the world's way. In fact, let's read 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I'm almost finished. He says, love not the world. He says, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world or the ways of the world, I'm going to say, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen to what's in the world now, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away, and the love but he that does the will of the of father of the father or God abides forever. 
A lot of marriages today, Christian marriages, are functioning as the ways of the world. This is why people quit marriage. It's just like, look, I bought this, I bought this from, from Walmart. I'm going to take it back. I don't want it. Say man, church. Oh, people just quit. I think they need to change the rules to get married. I guarantee you if they said, okay, listen, listen, it says to death do you part. That's what the, that's the vow, to death do you part. Marriage is designed to be eternal, right? Uh, there are other issues that may pop up that, that, that can make it, you know, where you can be officially divorced. But, but let's just say, you know, in this case, uh, you know, people just decide, I, I, okay, to death do you part. So it would be great if the state gave the pastor permission to say, okay, once you say I do, then it's death do you part. If you decide to divorce, we get to kill you. <laughs> you wouldn't have nobody getting a divorce like, I'm in it to win it. <laughs> See, the way of the world says, find you a side lover. Your husband ain't making you happy. Your wife ain't making you happy. Just go get some from, from her. She'll never know. That's the way, wow, of the world. <laughs> the way of the world but they ain't making me happy so why should I make them happy that's the way well of the world they ain't doing me right I ain't gonna do them right so here's the question as we close how do we resolve this problem how do you line your hearts up to please God so you can please your spouse? Because if you don't line your heart up to please God, you won't be able to please your spouse. So how do we do that? Because let me, let me, let me, let me give you another hard saying. Here's another hard saying. If you're not pleasing your spouse, you're not pleasing God. That's deep, ain't it? Pastor, that's not true. You know, the Bible says it's better obey God than man. Yeah, but if God told you to do something, you're not obeying man. You're obeying God. I'm going to say it again because that's hard. If you're not pleasing your spouse, you're not pleasing God. Why? Because he's the one that told you to please your spouse. Thank you, amen, from that cricket right there on the front row right there. Here's point number three. Here's point number three. Here's the question. How in the world do I line my heart up to please God so I can please my spouse? Here's point number three. You must die to you in order to please him and them. I'm going to say it again. You must die to you in order to please him and them. In other words, you must die in order for your relationship to live. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, quickly, I'm closing. He, it says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. 
But he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I, but it's the Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice he says in the first part of that verse, I'm crucified with Christ. John chapter 12 verse 24 says, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, if this corn of wheat, if you will die in your relationship, it, you will bring forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. The only way that you're going to maximize the potential of your marital relationship is that you must die so your relationship can live. Because in today's society, we have two people who are standing up for their rights. I ain't giving him none. Really? You know, I read a verse in the Bible that says your body doesn't belong to you anymore. Wow, it's, I wish y'all could feel what I'm feeling up here. Now, the Bible says, just like it said you should please your spouse, both people, that same Bible says that your body does not belong to you. Thank you for that very faint, weak internet signal clap. <laughs> so how do we apply this? How do we apply it? Number one, you, you're going to have to make a decision that pleasing your wife is so your, your husband is going to be a priority. You got to make pleasing your spouse a priority. Here's number two. You need to check and adjust your heart to see how much of the world's way you've let in. Hello? Mm -hmm. Number three, you must repent of your ways and the world's ways. Because some of what you're doing, you don't, here's the sad thing, is you weren't doing this stuff before you got married. When you first got married, you weren't doing this stuff. Number four, you must die. This is four words. Every day. You must die every day to your will so that you can fulfill God's will. Because let me tell you something. When you marry, you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord every day. Every day. Because there's always going to be something to come up. Re when I talk about rededicate your life, reded look, so, 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 when you're married, sometimes you have to rededicate yourself multiple times a day. So with every head bowed, there are some self-pleasing people in this room and who's watching me. That's called selfishness. And you will never maximize a marital relationship when selfishness exists. You say, well, Pastor Evan, you don't know why I've decided 
to stop doing this or start doing this. I don't need to know why. The question you have to answer to yourself is, whatever reason you have, is it bigger than the reason of why you should be pleasing God? Because it's not. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. And I know it is the undeniable will of God for every married person to make it a priority to please their spouse. And I pray in the name of Jesus, whatever obstacle, whatever issue, whatever problem, whatever past situation that they gone through or have crept into their relationship that is causing them to not please one another, I pray that today they will take personal inventory so that, Father, they can truly please you by pleasing their spouse. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Whatever he is still bowed. The Lord just told me there's some some of you watching me and some of you in the room. You're like, you know what, I'll start doing that when I get an apology. You may not ever get one. Is the apology bigger than your desire to please God? Because if if it is, if you're waiting on an apology, what you're saying is, God, I'm gonna wait until this person acknowledges that they're wrong for me to please you. Well, let me just say this, that's not good thinking. And so, Father, I pray that the strength, the honesty, the integrity that it's going to take for every couple to walk out what's being taught today, I thank you for supernatural things taking place in their relationship, in their lives, and in their family, in Jesus' name. If you're here today with every head still bowed, and if you're watching,